Hey everybody, welcome back to episode two of the Corporate Global Dynasty podcast. I'm your host, Hunter Hawes. And I'm your host, William Spicer. Thanks for joining us for our second go at episode two. The real episode two will be lost uh, in history forever, but that's okay. We're going to make up a lot of it right here. Uh, Spicer, how are you doing? Doing pretty well. Uh, had a great weekend, you know. We had we had some great timing on these drafts. They've come like sort of like a month into the first part of quarantine, and now like a month later, another draft. So it's kept me giddy about sports. So yeah, those were those were spaced out nicely. Um, I'm sorry to interrupt you, Spicer. Uh, I have some breaking news here. It looks like a massive trade went down right as we started recording this podcast. Uh, Hunter Hawes, myself has traded away Carson Wentz and Jalen Hurts to you, Spicer, uh, for Matt Ryan and your 2021 first-round draft pick. Wow. How am I going to focus on this episode? Yes, big trade, big trade. Uh, Well, I guess I should uh, say I did propose this trade to you, um, and you accepted it. So uh, my thought was just I knew that you needed a younger quarterback, and I am iffy on Carson Wentz and wanted more draft picks. So that's why I offered it to you. Uh, what was your reasoning to accept? Yeah, so the so really this will go into a little bit. I was offering almost that exact, like actually that exact same package for another trade for a young quarterback um, that didn't even quite, that wasn't even quite as good as that. And like, and I was comfortable with that. So getting Carson Wentz, like getting essentially getting to replace a now starter was worth it for me, whereas taking more risk before with that same trade. Um, and it was one of those deals too where I knew like Carson Wentz is just as iffy as an older Matt Ryan at this point in like a Atlanta team that seems to have a lot of question marks. Mm. Um, but then Jalen Hurts for me also had the potential upside of like I he honestly could be a wide receiver or like another position depending on how they decide to use him. True. And and so like, and I am also at need for wide receiver anyways to be younger. So I figured, out of a quarterback that could be not a quarterback, seems <laughs> fair enough. Yeah, um, that, I think that makes sense for your team. Uh, I think is a pretty fair trade to you on both sides. Uh, another piece of breaking news here um it looks like a live uh, tweet here from cg adam schefter says that um the spice knights were in talks with it looks to be uh ryan oding's team the uh nidio's team here to offer the same trade for a young Tua tagovailoa so uh wow uh, lots to digest here as we start the podcast very exciting stuff yeah, well, we can get more to that. That was a little bit that that talk was pre Tua's draft, so that pick was really for a one four, not for Tua at that point. Okay, wow. Uh, Adam Sheffer needs to get his facts straight. Um, very exciting stuff. Well, um, let's dive into today's show. Uh, we're gonna start out by doing what we had planned for episode two all along. Talk about the rules real quick. Uh, I'm just gonna give a brief overview to anyone that hasn't. Uh, not in the league, or even just really clarify the rules for everybody <clears throat> inside the league as well. We've got a lot of new dynasty players, so uh, we'll just start walking through these. Uh, biggest thing, I think, is we start two quarterbacks in this league, which really changes everything, um, puts a lot of value on the quarterbacks. That trade means a lot more than uh, you know it normally would. Um, we don't have any defensive players or defensive teams in our uh, lineups or anything like that, just offense. Uh, we're going to get a point per reception, 
uh, except for tight ends. So, uh, Spicer, what do you feel about the tight end premium getting a point and a half per reception? Yeah, so tight end premium was like one of the big things I was concerned about because I've never played in that kind of league before. So I don't really know what that means. Um, But I'm pretty excited about it moving forward. Like, I I think it will just allow for more people to have a player that can actually contribute to their team. Um, You know, it does make Travis Kelsey and like some big like reception tight ends like very valuable as well. So it it kind of also like allowed for that first round. Like Travis Kelsey was a first rounder in our league. Right. So in like based off his historical numbers like pretty just justified to do so as well so that that also changes the draft order a little bit which is nice yeah and kind of a weird year for the rookie class there's there's not really any surefire rookie tight ends in this draft but there was a a a tight end taken uh in the third round that we'll talk about later um Let's see here. Uh, we've got a, a fab budget, so that's a free agency auction budget. And so basically what that means is instead of a waiver wire, uh, we have 200 fictional dollars that we can bid on uh, to add players against each other. Uh, that budget is going to reset once the season starts uh, for another $200. Is this your first time playing with this? No. So the so that has actually been... I, I was grandfathered into my dad's league, so... When I was, I had actually drafted for a guy who missed out on the live draft because they were still doing live drafts pre, like online drafts when I did it, mm. um, and I ended up drafting Randy Moss and Tom Brady in that draft Amazing. the year they broke the touchdown record, <laughs> and the guy didn't win, which is an embarrassment to him because he just stopped playing. Wow. But they let me join like the next, like take his place essentially because I obviously wasn't terrible. So. Um, but in that league, the entire time we actually were doing it with real money, and so it went into. So you actually wagered real cash to buy players, and we just recently switched it to a to where it's like everyone has a certain set dollar, like fake dollar amount to wager on free agency to prevent uh, people further along in their careers from paying seventy six dollars <laughs> for somebody. Right. Who, so. Wow, that's awesome. Yeah, I could see that being being cool if everyone had an agreed upon real amount money but yeah if uh, daddy fat stacks over there can you know pitch in a hundred dollars for the r- running back who will come out of nowhere we too that's not very fair um all right moving on we've got uh, a taxi squad in this league so what that is is we've got five taxi squad spots that do not count against our rosters and what these spots are is any rookie or a a a player who was a rookie last year can be placed on the squad, uh, but once they're placed on there, um, they can when they when they're taken off, they can never be put back on. Uh, and this locks at the beginning of the season, so really just gives us some flexibility with the roster. Allows you to you know take some chances on young guys and not feel the pressure to cut them as the season goes on and and you know injuries happen and things like that. Uh, do you like the taxi squad? Yes, I do because you know a lot of things, especially in leagues that do like redraft and stuff the way you draft the first year is way different you know a player like even Tua is not as valuable in a redraft year potentially or like if you can't hold somebody so yeah absolutely that's that's perfect especially with Tua he may not even play you know year one so uh great example there uh and then the last thing we wanted to touch on just to give everyone a heads up we did uh have a startup draft i guess it's been maybe over a month now i I really i can't remember time is weird right now but uh we drafted our rookie draft spots in that draft so since this is our first year of the league we don't have any uh 
any standings or anything yet. So that's how we came up with this order, uh, which will put us, uh, you know, into talking about the draft here in just a minute. But first, we wanted to just take some time and talk about our some quick thoughts overall on the real-life NFL draft and what a weird thing it was watching it on TV with all of the Zoom calls. Yeah, it was it was amazing. There were some real gems in there. Uh, the Jaguars' first overall pick was just absolutely incredible to watch his reaction and just his heartbreak as he saw himself playing for Jacksonville. It was uh, CJ <laughs> Henderson. Face, yeah, he, CJ Henderson. He, was, he was not pleased at all, which I think is hilarious because I, I think that he's from Florida and he played at Florida. And so if anyone knows how miserable it's going to be in Jacksonville, it was that man and <laughs> he ended up there. Yeah, there, there was a lot of good moments. One of my favorite moments was uh, Marianne was watching some of the drafts with me, and when <laughs> they showed C.D. Lamb a couple times, and at one point, you know, we had realized like that his girlfriend beside him just looked really angry, and like we didn't see what had happened or anything like that, but she just looked so mad. And then later, I'm sure everyone has seen now the the clip where uh, she grabs his phone while he was on the phone with someone else, and he snatched it back out of her hands. <laughs> oh, that just that that was great. I really loved that. Yeah, that one was good. And, of course, the the bizarro world that was uh, Titans coach Mike Vrabel's uh, war room was just a complete, complete just... Yeah, you could tell he had no idea what his kids were doing behind him and didn't care, I guess, which is good, but... (laughs) Yeah, that's a man that's dedicated to his craft of drafting and not on the craft of knowing what their kids are doing during it. Yeah, he was deep into some thoughts or something... Uh, while that was going on, yeah, there was a lot of good, uh, good draft moments. Um, the draft itself was great. I thought, uh, on a personal level, I was really happy with the Colts draft, getting Jonathan Taylor and Michael Pittman early on. Um, two great offensive weapons. Really excited about Jonathan Taylor. Um, I like Marlon Mack, but um, I don't know. You I mean you can't pass this up? So it looks like you know they're the Colts are going to be pushing for just instant competing now that they have Philip Rivers they have a very small window of success uh, with him so might as well give him some young guys to build around what did you think about the Titans draft I thought the Titans draft was really good too um, you know the big thing was that you know a lot of people talked about how we should not have gone for an off like an offensive lineman necessarily in the first round but I mean it's tough because we're we let Conklin walk, so we're gonna need someone to replace him, mm. right? And so going for someone who's big size and like who the main problem it seems to be is sort of like with some technique stuff and getting them up to speed, but just a mauler works out in the Titans' favor in terms of like what they're hoping to do. I liked replacing Dion Lewis. I liked getting defensive back depth with like Logan Ryan and Malcolm like probably leaving and Mal- or leaving and Malcolm Butler getting older. <laughs> so yeah. Absolutely. I uh I don't know much about uh is it Darianton Evans? Um I I know just on paper he looks to be kind of a Deion Lewis like plug and play replacement. Um but I I I mean, he played for Appalachian State, so I never saw him play or anything like that. But I know there was a lot of people that were excited about him. Yeah. Yeah, you know, App State. I'm also a Michigan fan, so I always think like, oh, yeah. <laughs> App State, good pick. <laughs> right. Excellent job. But um, yeah, but yeah, the, the other big question mark is people are saying that 
Clowney is still in the running for the Titans. So if they get it, the edge rushing position was the last one that really needed to be filled. So if they sign him, then the draft looks much better. If they don't sign an edge rusher, then not so good. Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. Um, well, great. Well, any other uh, thoughts on the NFL draft? Anything surprise you? or? Um, I think that actually this draft was really uh, chalky in a lot of ways. Or like... Uh, like players and teams overall just went kind of where they were supposed to, except for Green Bay. Yeah. They're like, that was really the only where you were just like, oh, this makes almost no sense right now. But in like where they drafted that Jordan Love and where they are as an organization. So, right. yeah, because a lot of people, you know, the Colts had those two really early second round picks. Um, and a lot of people had kind of assumed that Jordan Love would go to the Colts there if he was still available um, so they could have somebody waiting behind Phillip Rivers. And so when I saw that at first, I was kind of disappointed because I, I mean, I don't, I don't have a, you know, strong opinion on Jordan Love as a prospect, but I thought, well, at least the Colts are going to spend a, you know, a good draft pick on a, on a QB. And then psych, Aaron Rodgers is just going to be really grumpy, even grumpier than he already is. So that should be interesting to watch unfold. Yeah. And, uh, that should that should be really interesting, and we'll get in more into that in our rookie draft. The another interesting thing, guys, I had pulled the data from like 2018, 2019, and then this draft to see like how many skilled players went in the early rounds. Mm. And so this was using a like essentially where you picked in the first um, four rounds, right? So you were at the hundred less than the 128th pick. And so like in 2018, there were 40 fantasy players drafted there and in 2019-42 and this year 44 mm. so from 2018 to 2020 there's a 10% increase in the number of players draft like where draft capital was used early on wow um, that's a lot yeah. yeah I'd be curious to see how many of those would be wide receivers because it seemed like there was just a million receivers drafted this year um, yeah and a lot of them you know there was a, a ton drafted in like the second and third rounds um, and it, you can look when you start to dig into like the the rookie draft board of our league. There's you know receivers that were taken in the third and fourth round that you know a second or third round real life pick was used on them, uh, which is just rare that there was that many. I feel like taken, you know, high uh, high up. Yeah, and and uh, my last thing about this that was I thought it was interesting that a lot of the early teams they went quarterback. Like, like the bad teams, right? Like in super rebuild mode went quarterback, offensive lineman, or defensive player, mm-hmm. which left a lot of skilled players to go on teams where they have a better chance of succeeding yeah. early on. That's a, that's a really good point, yeah. Um, well, great. Well, we'll talk more about some of these rookies uh, as we go through this episode because right now what we're going to do is we're going to just talk about our rookie draft. Um, we're going to go uh, team by team as opposed to round by round and just kind of talk about each team's draft overall. So uh, what we'll do is we're going to start with Wyatt's team uh, who had the first overall pick uh, in every round, uh, which uh, is painful to see because both of us had Wyatt ranked as the number one team uh, preseason already, and here he is adding uh, several great pieces to his team. So, uh, of course, he picked Joe Burrow, number one overall. Uh, what do you think about Joe Burrow and uh, C.D. Lamb, the guys he took? Oh, both amazing picks, for especially the C.D. Lamb pick at 2-1. Yeah. But, I mean, Joe Burrow is almost like... If you don't take him first overall in a two quarterback league, like 
<laughs> it doesn't make any sense. Like you, you almost have to. So, yeah, I don't think there's been that sure of a thing since uh, a couple of years back when Saquon was coming out. Everybody, you know, regardless of format, knew he was going to be number one. Same thing with Burrow here. I was pretty ticked uh, that CD Lamb fell to him at two point one because I have the next pick, and I mean, I I knew that he wasn't going to let him sit there. But when you when you pick tenth, and when you pick Justin Jefferson, um, I could have killed you because now Wyatt has debatably the best receiver in this class and Joe Burrow. So um, I think he had an awesome draft, even with his fifth pick, um, you know, Benjamin, uh, you know, he is going to be in Arizona with behind kind of question marks. Like, I mean, I don't, I'm not sold on Kenyon Drake. I'm not saying that, you know, Benjamin's going to become like the, you know, three down back there, but I do think he could like catch the ball really well and maybe slide into a production role, you know, as early as year one. Yeah, so I, I liked that pick too, but the one that really got me was his trade to get uh, uh, Evans mm. in, when he traded uh, with uh, Noah because that guy with with Derrick Henry being on like the franchise tag like and Deion Lewis being kicked out, like it, it's very plausible for that, that person to be a starter in a run-heavy offense early on and it, even if not Derrick Henry's lack of catching ability yeah really lends itself to having him become like at least the third down back very early on yeah that's true and I think um you know Deion Lewis didn't produce a ton last year but I I really don't think it was because of the situation I think he kind of started to decline as a player uh when he signed with Tennessee it was a really exciting like he was still coming off a really good uh a couple seasons in New England, but yeah, having a young guy in there that can, you know, go in and catch. And if something were to happen to Henry, um, he's probably the go-to guy to to be there. So yeah, that that was a great trade, I think, um, especially picking up a couple young receivers uh, already in the draft. He didn't need D.D. Westbrook anymore, so I thought that was good. Um, so second in this draft was myself, and um, <clears throat> I guess I'll just I'll talk about well my first two picks especially. So for me, I didn't even hesitate. I, I knew that I was going to take Clyde Edwards-Solaire from pretty much draft night because I knew that Burrow was going to go one and I just wanted to see the landing spots of the running backs. But especially when I saw that DeAndre Swift went to Detroit, uh, I had no more RB2 because I have on Johnson. And um, I was pretty crushed about that because I'm a pretty big fan of Carrion. And who's to say, like, he can maybe it'll work out and he may even start for the beginning of this year. Like, who knows? But it's definitely not ideal that my second running back now has a, you know, that probably debatably like the second or third best running back in the class. So um wanted to go with the Kansas City, Kansas City kid. And then I... I honestly don't really like my second pick in Henry Ruggs. Um, I took him because I felt like he was the best available at that point. Um, and he was the highest drafted receiver. But I don't know. Those like fast guys just kind of scare me. And he's fast and on the Raiders. And like we've seen them take this guy. At, like It seems like every year. And they, they spend a top 12 pick on a receiver who's fast. Um, and it never works out. So I don't know. Maybe something in Las Vegas will be different. Yeah, it's so hard to know anything with Las Vegas. I feel like, like I know that they've they're still been a team with Oakland, but for some reason, even just moving cities feels like more risky. Like just the yeah. fact that they're moving for whatever reason. So, 
you, who knows, you know, Henry Ruggs, I guess he could be the next Tyreek Hill, but he could also just be another guy that never really sees the field after a year or so. But I had to take him there. Um, and then at the time, I, I took Jalen Hurts at 3.2, which I really hated that pick as well. But I because I had Wentz and because Wentz gets hurt, um, I just really, like I, we can talk about why I needed to take him in a second, but there had already been two more quarterbacks come off and I was, I was kind of stressed because I thought, well, if anybody else wants a quarterback, I don't pick again until the fifth round. Um, I had previously traded my fourth round pick and that was where I was hoping to get Hertz at. So I had to pull the trigger and get him there early, but he's yours now. So yes, correct. There you go. Um, and then last to just round myself off, I got my favorite player in the fifth round. So this is hilarious because as anyone listening to this in the league knows, I tried desperately basically right after I trade or I drafted Jalen hurts. I was messaging everyone, putting stuff in the threads, trying to get into the third round. Cause I wanted to take Lynn Bowden, um, Kentucky, uh, athlete. And I was desperate to get him. And I tried to trade for a full two rounds before no one giving me any anything and then all the way in the fifth round he fell to me so it was all for nothing and i got him mm-hmm. yeah sometimes it just works out for you you know yeah all right well i'll let you uh, lead us off here with rob griffith uh, number three yeah so rob i think actually had a pretty solid draft i think jonathan taylor as at the third pick just where he's going into it is a solid pick and what Rob needed for his team in terms of running back. Solid pick. Uh, Denzel Mims, I think, has going to a team that desperately needs any kind of spark. Mm-hmm. Like, is a pretty solid choice. Uh, I think that the next questions are that he went back to back on the Baltimore receivers, which I do like. Uh, Devin Duvernay. Yeah, me too. Um, I think that was a really good pick, but it is it is interesting that like there's not enough the the pie is not big enough to get to both of them right so yeah I really I don't hate that strategy because I think one of those guys will probably work out I mean they have uh, Hollywood Brown who I think is probably already proven that he's going to be a success in Baltimore but other than that like they have Willie Sneed who is old getting old and I just not crazy about him and then that's really it i know they run a bunch and stuff but as you know lamar jackson ages and stuff surely he'll get more comfortable throwing the ball in that offense and um i mean they just they got some great weapons in this draft baltimore did uh jk dobbins is awesome i noticed you skipped over talking about jacob eason my my cult backup heir apparent to philip rivers uh is there any bad blood with that pick for you (laughs) no i i do think that pick is totally dependent on whether or not Jacoby Brissett's moved this year, mm. right? Like, mo- and this will come up with like, so who's on the board at that point, right? It's Eason, Love, Hertz, and Fromm really are like the only really big name QBs left. And just for me personally, like I thought I did well to get Love there at the end of the second round, so I would have probably taken him where Eason was, but. There is something to be said that, like, number one, he could be immediate backup if Jacoby Brissett gets moved, and then Phillip Rivers is, you know, one foot in the grave right now. So he's he has a good chance of starting very soon. But at the same time, I was just like, 
interest like i don't know it's just like i think love or something may have been a better pick there however this is my big 4d chess move that i think rob is doing which is he's just going to pick all the colts players and if they turn out well he knows hunter's going <laughs> to trade <laughs> on a lopsided deal to get them so that's true the double colts it was really hard and i showed a lot of self-control by taking clyde edwards hilaire over jonathan taylor and the only reason i did that i think i mean taylor was maybe it's kind of like widely assumed to be the best running back coming out. Um, but I just like, I, I, my team is kind of built to win right now. Not like crazy, but I, I think I can. And I just felt like this season, I was probably going to get more out of Clyde Edwards later than Jonathan Taylor. I could be totally wrong, but until Marlon Mack is out of the picture or we see him just not played a lot, I didn't, you know, but I love Jonathan Taylor. I thought that was a great pick. The Easton thing, I, I don't know. I think Rob was in a tough position because he needed to draft a running back and he drafted, like I said, potentially the best one. But he's just got some questions at quarterback. So it makes sense that he went with Eason. Um, I just wonder if he maybe could have gotten him in the third round or something. Um, but, you know, like I said, you got to get your person. And he's got Mitchell Trubisky, who may not even start this year. So he really did. He's just hoping for something. Um, so I think he was in a tough spot. Now, what I want to talk about here with Ryan at number four is I know that you were trying to trade up into that spot. So tell me about that. Yeah, so the so at 1-4, I figured Tua Tungabalo was going to come off the board there. So I worked with uh, Mr. Oding a little while to try and find a, a deal that worked for us. Didn't quite didn't quite work out. But what essentially what the offer was was Matt Ryan in my first rounder next year for that pick. Um, so what that means is like when you evaluate evaluated the trade, like knowing it's not Tua, right? Mm-hmm. Then it's it's pretty much an even trade, right? Where the the one the fourth pick in the first round for like a mid pick plus Matt Ryan is equivalent. With the idea of, like, if I have a bad season and I'm early, then Ryan makes out well. Mm. Or if it goes late, then I make out slightly better. Right. right. So it's, so that's sort of the trade that happened. And I think we were pretty close to getting something done. By the end of the day, it's like, you know, Ryan probably just sitting there thinking, like, I can just get Tua right now for nothing. So he yeah. ends up going with it. And I, I can't really blame him. Yeah. No, I, th- I think uh, I may have spoken with uh, Ryan at some point during that. And it definitely sounds like... Uh, th- I think his thought was exactly that. I I can take Tua now and work on a trade later if I want to, or I can just keep him. Um, but you know he he might need Tua. He's got uh, surefire starters in Baker Mayfield and Matt Stafford, but then after that he's got two backups, Mariota and Brissett. So um, like one of those guys is going to have a bye week, and I don't know who he's going to. I mean, they're both going to have a bye week, but I'm saying like you know when those bye weeks come. He may not be able to start anyone because I don't even know if Tua is going to play this year. So, um, yeah, I think uh, it may have made sense for him to trade him to you. Honestly, I don't know. Uh, only time will tell. But he's got a lot of things to figure out kind of with his running backs um, because two of his running backs were supplanted in the real draft uh, with Damian Williams. And um, who else did he have that got supplanted? Marlon Mack. So a um, lot to think about there on Nidio's team. Yeah, which he, he did go in and get two running backs, both on teams that like could potentially have them seeing a prominent role. Like there's not a clearly defined second back on Green Bay or the Jets. Mm-hmm. And so with uh, Aaron Jones's contract, I think is coming up soon. 
after off of his like isn't that right yeah i think his rookie year the rookie contract might expire next yeah. year i'm not sure yeah and then with uh Le'Veon bell just getting older i don't think it's a tear those are those are just like not right now but for next year even could be yeah bell is a strange cat because i think he's still good i think the the jets like offensive line and just offense in general last year was pretty bad so he may still have a year or two left but he's also just so unpredictable as far as like his attitude and i mean if he got hurt i like p ryan a lot i like like i watched him play a good bit in college because he was at florida um so i saw a lot of him on tv i thought he was a solid prospect um i mean i know sometimes that doesn't translate and he got drafted late and everything but yeah for a fifth round pick i think that was solid for ryan all right mr youth noah moyers um i wasn't really shocked here to see him take cam makers i know he loves his rams um he he had a pretty solid draft. I didn't nothing kind of shocked me. I thought he got good value on uh Brandon, I don't know how to say his last name, Ayuk. How do you say that? Do you know? I think so. Um or Ayuk. Yeah, I mean, he was a first round pick to the Niners and they've got a weird wide receiver core, but I mean, he could be their number one guy pretty soon, I would think. Yeah, would, San Francisco's wide receivers are just so interesting too because you have you have George Kittle, who's just a baller at, there as well, and they just pound the rock. So, they're, you know, it's almost like going for a Titans receiver, right, in a lot of ways. You're just like, they could be great. Like, probably part of the reason why A.J. Brown fell in last year's rookie draft, like, wasn't so impressive. It's just that scheme built around pounding the ball, dumping it, tight ends, like all those sorts of things yeah um that's true and i think it it's no coincidence that he traded his third pick for dd westbrook because we've already talked about his love of receivers that have some type of d name we've got debo dk dd and dj so i don't know there's a theme here i think there's a team name somewhere in the d's um so not shocked to see that he also got DeJoy as his running back oh, he did. going to yeah. Seattle. So. DJ Dallas, <clears throat> very good point. Also, how about, I love the name Antonio uh, Gandy Golden. That is a f- sweet last name. Oh, yeah. The hyphen, very good. Hyphen the last names are always great for athletes. Yeah. All right, let's see what else we got here. Colton coming in at number six. Uh, we got DeAndre Swift, T. Higgins, KJ Hamler, um, and he also took Travis Benjamin, who was a free agent available for draft. Um, anything here stick out to you? Not much. I think I think Swift going to the team that he did, and I don't think it was too much of a reach. And I think he got a pretty good value there at the sixth overall pick, like in, given any other normal draft scenario. Swift would have been up higher. Um, yeah, I think just like a solid pick, solid picks all around. Yeah, I, I sent him one trade offer um, for for me selling carry on to him, um, and he rejected it. I don't even remember what I asked for a return, but I, you know, I really, I think I may just keep him because, like I said, who are we to say that maybe they won't have like a 50 50 split or that carry on might still be worth something in fantasy but it just crushes me to lose him to swift so that's tough kj hamler an interesting pick uh in the real nfl draft like he went in the second round and he has been kind of like slept on 
for fantasy purposes. Uh, I think, you know, he, he's like a, a tiny guy, like five, nine. So, uh, it may be hard for him to work it up, but behind like Judy and, uh, Cortland Sutton, there's a ton of receivers in, in Denver that aren't established. So that could be a great value pick. Yes. Agreed. And he also got the tight end too, going to Denver. Uh, yeah. he, he really sold out on like some of these rookies getting their starting role at Denver, which I think is a fair, like a fair gamble to make. Yeah. The whole Denver offense thing is kind of a, like they're, they've, they're all so young. Um, so it's kind of one of those things, like if they put it together, it'd be exciting. Cause I have Noah Fant uh, on my team and I'm excited about him with Drew Locke. Um, I'm not really crazy about Drew Locke, but he, at least he played well last year. So maybe they'll put something good together with Melvin Gordon and all those guys. Speaking of Denver, we have at the seventh pick, uh, seventh overall, Jerry Judy taken by Katie with him. Um, we didn't really say if we were going to give like our favorite picks or anything of the draft, but to me, this was one of my favorite picks. I love Judy. Um, I know a lot of people put CD Lamb over him, but I think he was my favorite coming out from Alabama. Um, he has a chance. Like I think it's good that he's across from uh, Cortland Sutton, and that you know he's not going to be just swarmed early on. He's going to have some space early on to develop and and get some playing time. Um, but I just really like him, and I thought that it wasn't crazy that she took him there. Um, you know, she needed to get younger in her team. Um, she took a lot of old guys uh, in the startup draft, um, and this is probably one of her best receivers um, since she's you know she's got guys like Larry Fitzgerald and. Um, Emmanuel Sanders, who are both just ancient. So hopefully this guy will be on our team for a long time. Yeah, agreed. And I think I think he will. Like he's a baller. I uh, interestingly, Katie also had my favorite pick, oh. but it was actually Keyshawn Vaughn in the second round. I had had my eye on Keyshawn Vaughn for a while now, coming out of Vandy mm-hmm. and being from Nashville, like you hear all sorts of stuff about Keyshawn Vaughn, and I just thought, was hoping that he would keep sliding. But, um, yeah, I think that he's going to be awesome. I think he's going to be that classic, like, played for a terrible college team, mm. but was, like, the only reason they could even be considered somewhat decent. Like, even competitive was, like, that yeah. man running the ball. So Yeah, he was exciting. I watched... You know, the only time I watch Vandy is if they play Kentucky, or if I try to hope, I try to will them to beat Tennessee just by me like watching the game. So uh, he's awesome. I really liked watching him, and he was like there was kind of a tear break, I guess, in running backs like after um, the the first got five guys that went in the first round, and so her getting him in the second round, uh, but getting the first receiver, I think, is a good trade off. Um, so I think like. The, the drop-off from, like, a Swift or an Acres to Vaughn, I think, is a lot smaller than from Judy to, like, T. Higgins, for example. Agreed, yeah. So that was smart. Well, she also had one of the probably most, I don't know if controversial is not the right word, but anticipated picks going into this. Uh, none of us drafted Rob Gronkowski in our startup drafts because at the time he was pretty convincingly retired. But he came out, and lo and behold, he goes to Katie. So... What'd you think? Did you try to? Were you planning on trying to get Gronk at all? No, I was not going to get Gronk, but I'm very happy that Gronk landed there with all of his old NFL mates, and it fits into Katie's sort of plan of <laughs> win going now. for the win now. Yeah. So I think it's actually a very good pick for Katie. The only other person who I thought could have gone for it would have been Noah because he has so many young players from the earlier draft. He could have afforded to take a chance on an older player. Yeah, no, I think you're right. And if 
like I'm glad that he went at 3.7 and that I didn't have a fourth round pick because if I had had that pick five, you know, five picks later, I probably would have pulled the trigger on him. Um, I wouldn't have picked him in 3.2. But again, I was also trying extremely hard to trade into that area. And if I had gotten two trades, I would have gone Bowden and Gronkowski because my tight ends are so young that if, um, if it takes Noah Fant another year to get to like a top, top 10 uh, tight end role, then it would have been nice to have a year of Gronkowski, but that's okay. Good job, Katie. Yeah. All right. Moving on to 1.8, um, debatably maybe like one of the biggest value first round picks, JK Dobbins to Aaron. What do you think about that? Great pick. You know, we all know that in Baltimore, the, the story is always Lamar Jackson, but at the end of the day, like so much of what he can do is because they can always just about like they always have Mark Ingram there who's waiting. So if Lamar starts scrambling and he needs to dump it or just handing him the ball, but he's getting old and they're going to have to keep doing that to keep Lamar protected because the play action just buys so much time for him to not get hit. Yeah. That he's going to be huge in their offense going forward. Yeah. And you know, Mark Ingram has a ton of miles on him, like from dating all the way back to college. But like in New Orleans, he was used a ton. They used him a lot last year, and he had a couple injury problems, I believe, last year as well. So I think he could be a contributor year one. But if not, like as soon as next year, he we could be talking about him as like a top, you know, like a first round redraft pick. I think, um, I think a lot of people had him kind of as one of their top two or three favorite running backs in this class. So the fact that he got him at eight is super solid. And then the other, uh, the guy I was hoping would fall to me at 3.2, Michael Pittman Jr., the Colts receiver. Uh, I was really sad to not be able to have him, but uh, I think he's great. Uh, I was really, I was kind of skeptical about that pick at first, but then once I like, kind of looked into him a little bit, like on draft night, I was kind of like, I don't get this. Uh, I got really excited, and it looks like the coaching staff just like loves this guy. Uh, and he's big, so he kind of will like, you know, they already have T.Y. Hilton, who's small and, and speedy. And Paris Campbell, hoping, will still work out. But this big dude, I'm excited. Yeah, and, and for me, it was the his fourth and fifth rounds really messed me up. So I was oh, eyeing, yeah. as, as you saw, both Cole Komet and uh, Jake Fromm as my last pick. So he took Cole as and at 4'8". And then, but it looks like it wouldn't have mattered because a tight end also went at 4'9". So... All of that would have probably just shifted it down. But whenever you got the trade back for Jake Fromm, I was so disappointed. Yeah, um, he had he had messaged me and said, uh, you know, I want I I'll give you my fifth pick for I think he said like Kiki Kute or something, and I was like, no, I think I value him just a tiny bit more than that. Um, and so then he sent me another offer, and I accepted it. And I really like I didn't even have a player in mind, but I was like, oh, I love quarterbacks, so I'm gonna stack up. And as soon as I saw Jake Fromm, I was like, well, this is just for the meme potential. I have to have Jake from State Farm. So, Yeah, exactly. Well, what did, the, what did the trade end up being for that pick? Um, I sent him... Who was it? This is bad. Bad radio. I traded him a player whose name is uh, Justice Hill. Okay. Which I'm realizing now he drafted Dobbins, and I probably should have like realized that and I probably could have got more out of him. I didn't think about that at all. Oh well. Jake Fromm will be a decent backup. <laughs> I'm sad now. <laughs> it's okay. Okay. Uh number nine, we've got Brady Hyen, who took the third quarterback, Justin Herbert. 
did that upset yeah. you? Were you hoping that he would fall to you at 10? Um, so that one was kind of, I was hope like if Herbert would have been there at 10, I would have taken him unless Brady didn't take, but the, see, here's the thing. I would have just as easily gone for Jefferson or lamb at that point. Right. Like, mm. uh, because uh, there's just something about Justin Herbert that, that, that those Oregon, this, that Marcus Mariota syndrome, like I just don't trust players coming out of Oregon or even same deal with like Hawaii. Yeah. But the same, at the same time, he threw a lot of passes. He was, <laughs> didn't, he was counted on to be like the whole team a lot of times, but still just that, like, that offense doesn't lend itself to like quarterbacks reading plays as much as like running hurry up offense and knowing pre-snap reads and just dumping it to specific players. So I just don't know how long it will take to translate that into the NFL. It seems like it's always, it's been a tough transition from those types of offenses. Yeah, that's a good point. And I think, uh, I don't think Herbert will play for a while. I could see this being one of those cases where, like, if Tyrod Taylor is good, he'll play all year. Um, like, even if the, if they're, like, just on the outside of the playoffs, I think he'll probably play for a while. And then maybe, like, you know, Herbert might get to start the last couple of games of the year. But if Tyrod Taylor just bombs, then, like, maybe they just throw him in there and just, like, throw the season away. Because, I mean, they lost Melvin Gordon. Eckler is, is still going to be good. And they have some good receivers. But uh, it's possible that the Chargers just fail and just throw Herbert <laughs> in there to get him ready for next year. That is true. Um, yeah. Um, didn't really... Most of Brady's picks, I thought, were you know just decent, taking the best player available. He, he did take Cole McDonald, uh, so he's got his backup to Ryan Tannehill there. Um, I guess Devin Assisi, I, I don't know if that's how you say it, the New England tight end. Um, I mean, that has potential to be great. They took him in the third round, so we'll see. Yeah. All right, well, to finish us up, we've got you at 10th, uh, so tell us about your draft. Yeah, so, you know, after I couldn't get to, uh, I sort of resigned myself to where, like we talked about, if Herbert falls to me, then I, I look at it strongly, and if not, I just take best available. And so, unfortunately, best available was me left with C.D. Lamb or Justin Jefferson. And really what ended up sending it over the edge to me was that with with Diggs gone from Minnesota, there is no, there's really no number two mm-hmm. who's worth anything. And so I think Justin Jefferson will become part of the offense more quickly than C.D. Lamb might with Dak. Um, I also own Kirk Cousins and Adam Thielen. So oh, he's wow. also a little bit of insurance policy for me as well. I didn't in terms realize of like, that. Yeah. Yeah, no, I thought that was a great pick. I like him a lot. Um, I... I completely like see your reasoning and taking him over lamb uh, that it'd be hard for me to, it, I, maybe I'm still just bitter because why ended up getting lamb, but yeah, like lamb has to compete with uh, Amari Cooper and Michael Gallup who already kind of established himself as like a pretty good number two receiver. So the path for like fantasy relevance for him might be longer than Jefferson. Yeah. And that's what I was thinking. And I, my wide receivers tended to be a little bit older anyways with people like Adam Thielen. So was certainly not hurting to go young there. Also, just like playing at LSU, I just he just was balling. So absolutely, he was exciting to watch. Um, all right, so you also had Jordan Love, maybe the Aaron Rodgers to the Brett Favre of Aaron Rodgers. Yeah. So this one was like, uh, so I have Drew Brees and Matt Ryan and Kirk Cousins, 
and Terry Bridgewater. Those are my four. So what I what I was thinking is like Drew Brees is obviously towards the end of it here, and Matt Ryan is becoming uh, obsolete to say the least. <laughs> like he's he still can perform just fine, but like I know that I only have maybe a couple good seasons left out of him, and so I was like. I can I can afford to take a quarterback and let him sit for two years before moving him to my roster. And if there's any quarterback that was drafted in the first round that the team has uh, more to lose by that player not turning out, it's Green Bay mm. because they made up potentially the worst pick and take him so he's gonna always have like he has to be good otherwise our organization looks terrible <laughs> stamped on him. So that's what that's what really ended up driving me to take him on on top of the fact that I needed a quarterback. So, yeah, that, I think that that's fair, uh, especially with us having two quarterbacks. Like, I think he, like, he was the fourth best quarterback probably available, and you got him as the fifth best at the end of the second. So he was definitely not going to make it back to you at three point ten. Um, so I thought that was like very fair value uh there you already had taken a wide receiver and like the there was maybe two or three good wide receivers left but the running backs at that point were like not very exciting so i, th- I liked love there you got the memphis kid antonio gibson yeah uh gibson was sort of like the the going to washington who knows how what's going to go on with the redskins organization just in general um but Gibson is interesting because even the like when they're talking about him, it's like is he going to play wide receiver or running back? Like probably running back, but who knows? So I just think that he seemed to be a player that the organization was bound and determined to get the ball to. Like they're going to use him in some way to get him the ball, um, and so that's why I ended up going with him. I also just think he's you know going somewhere where it's building so it's going to probably be terrible to start but my running backs were are young and so he's just there for two years down the road kind of insurance nice uh you also took the uh one of one of a, a tennessee boy there uh oh yeah Juwan jennings uh always yeah yeah, Juwan Jennings as the last pick. My last pick was going to either be Jake Fromm or Cole McDonald until Hunter traded back to get Jake Fromm, and then Brady also took Cole McDonald. So I was, and I decided that my fifth pick was going to be a heart pick, anyways. And I ended up going with Juwan Jennings for two reasons. One, he was part of that uh, Butch Jones recruiting class that <laughs> that, that produced Camara. Yeah, that produced Camara and just like other NFL players who just didn't seem to get it clicking there and in Knoxville. So I thought, okay, well maybe he'll get it clicking, but he also got drafted by San Francisco who we sort of talked about have their wide receiver question marks. Um, and so I figure if there's a player who could potentially surprise you on the board, it would probably, he's like a pretty high one that could. Um, Cause he didn't, his, his big like drawback it seemed was he didn't have a great combine, like not super fast in like drills and 40 times. But he still managed to put up, you know, a thousand all-purpose yards last year, and just managed to make plays. So I think he could be a good like slot receiver potential for San Francisco. Yeah, anytime you have somebody that's that athletic and exciting go to San Francisco, there's always a chance that, um, like Shanahan's gonna turn him into some kind of crazy awesome player. So I think that's that's fair because they have what's his face too, Jalen, uh, not Jalen Hurts. 
um, Jalen Hurd, <laughs> very close. Yeah. Uh, and you can tell he likes those types of guys. So who knows? Could be great. Um, well, there you go, folks. That is all 10 rounds, or sorry, all 10 teams there of the rookie draft. Five rounds covered for you. Um, that's all I have. Spicer, do you have any closing thoughts or questions? No, it should be exciting. You know, with now that everyone has drafted, the only thing left to trade are players on your roster and picks for the future. So now it's like, it, it sort of simplifies the trading a little bit. There's no more question marks of like if someone goes in which round. So I think there'll be more trades spark up here in the coming weeks. Yeah, absolutely. I'm, I'm definitely going to be checking out <clears throat> my roster and see what I can do there. I'm always trying to trade. So uh, we'll keep your eyes out for episode three. Uh, I'm not sure what that will hold for us yet, but we'll definitely uh, keep bringing episodes your way. As always, thanks for joining the Corporate Global Dynasty Podcast. <laughs>